We both did this. We have firsthand experience in this. We can actually talk intelligently about this. That's true. Hello and welcome to The Morning Block. It's the first block of the day. I'm Jake. And I'm Chris. And I founded Virtual Arts with the help of my good buddy Chris and a whole lot of other awesome people. This is the weekly show where we answer the big questions about the pageantry and marching arts. And today we're answering your questions. You wrote in and we will give you answers that are at least mediocre based on our past experience. Um, And reminder that if you want to ask a question in the future, you can email us at the, that's T-H-E, morningblock at gmail.com, themorningblock at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, just be warned, we might play your voicemail on the show. Uh, the number is 423-403-5044. Um, that's not my phone number. It's not Chris's phone number. Sorry. It's just like a, a voicemail box that we have set up. So you can leave us a voicemail there. Um, it records it automatically. We'll listen to it even if we don't play it on the show. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any good questions, uh, you can send them anonymously. Uh, you can s- tell us your name, where you're from, or leave us a voicemail. So many, so many options. And Jake may leave a mediocre answer, but my answers are going to slap. I'm just saying. Okay, Chris's listen. answers will be good. <laughs> we can't shortchange ourselves, Jake. We've got we've got right. pretty good advice. We're doing all pretty right good in advice. life. <laughs> well, <laughs> for for 2020, you know, not as much to complain about it as a lot of people. Certainly, I feel very very fortunate. So yes. Also, we, we, we've done just enough in this band activity, both as performers, as instructors, even running groups and, and creating groups that, you know. As I judges, as designers, as staff yeah. members, we've done DCI, we've done WGI, we've just done a lot of band. It's, it's tiresome, but it's been, it's been a great decade, so feel, several decades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, feel, I feel pretty well-rounded in this activity, so let's, For sure. let's, let's dive right in, Jake. What's our All first right. question? Let's do it. Okay, so this first question is from Michael. Uh, and Michael says, I've always wanted to know more details about judging. What are the most common reasons a core gets deducted points? Uh, what's an example of what would cost a core uh, 0.1 points? Um, and he cites similar to the Blue Devils versus Blue Coats difference in 2019 when it was really close. And, you know, that's an interesting uh, difference that he calls out because I know it seems similar. It's why a lot of people don't like the Blue Devils. They they tend to rob the fans in their minds, like their favorite chorus. Yeah, rob victory, them. Like, oh, it's, right? it's imposing so much on my rights. Like, oh, my year <laughs> is ruined because the Blue Devil, these kids got a medal instead of these kids. Like, yeah. life is I'm terrible. thinking like Carolina Crown in 2015 with their Inferno show um, yeah. coming in in first place. And the, the thing with BD is, you know, I always say like, they're going to have a flawless finals run like they're fine they always peak finals night and that's they not do. the case for some drum corps a lot of people are mar- uh i've marched with who marched that 2015 crown show admitted they were like yeah it wasn't our best run that night like <laughs> it left to be desired if we had a better one in us maybe and so i know in 2019 when i was watching these shows i was like uh-oh i think the blue devils took it yeah for sure. you, can, you can almost tell just from the energy that night like you, if you're there uh, and mm-hmm. watching them, you're like, Ugh. at the end of the show, you're like, that was pretty good. I don't that know. Was, that was something pretty, about it. Exactly. And that's what it was. I, I The Blue Devils finished their final note. And I was like, I think that was it. <laughs> I, think they were, I think they were too good this year, you know. And Even they were. though the Blue Coats had a very, very entertaining show. And it was a groundbreaking show in a lot of ways. It just, 
it is what it is. Uh, but we're we're riffing on this. And to answer your question, Michael, so from my understanding of judging, and maybe this would be a good future episode. It's not about point deduction like it was back in the day when it was the tick system. Instead, the judges create like a, we have a general guideline of what is, say, an 80 overall score versus what is a 90 overall score. And so when they see a group perform, they give them a number like the first group that goes on. They give them a general. OK, you are about an 85. Then the next group that comes on in their caption, they go, Okay, A, were they better or worse? And if they go better, they go by how much? And then they put that score. And so really scores a lot of times are really, really ambiguous. Like an 85 this year is not the same as an 85 last year. So that's why it's kind of hard to judge cores from year to year as well because these numbers are really arbitrary. That's right. And they and they get them as close as they can to, like they there's language about like sometimes always never mm -hmm. um and and the sheets get updated all the time they, they try to improve and dial in the judging process every year um but if you're like it, judging just the percussion caption it'll say um you know demonstrates excellence in blah 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 and then the judge can say like sometimes never always and those words will put them in a big category like sometimes might be in the 70s uh mm -hmm. never might be in the 40s always is in the Correct. 90s um and that kind of helps them get okay i should be somewhere in the ballpark of this is where we get the boxes box one box two box three box four um and those align with how often you demonstrate certain levels of mastery uh, at certain things. And then they can say, okay, I know I got to score this one in the 80s. It was pretty good. Some things could be better. I'm going to give it an 84. And then they wait for the next core to come on. Okay, they were doing about the same, but just a little better in some areas are going to get an 85.5 or whatever. So exactly. Um, there aren't things that necessarily will cost the core like a percentage of a point. Um, and you have to understand that also that it's a ton of people. <laughs> it's a ton of people on the judging panel. It's like what, like eight, 12, 15 people. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. A, so you might account for five, 10%, 15% of the overall score and you can give half points. Um, but it's not like, Oh, I saw this thing and that cost you 0.1 point. It's, Oh, these people are about this proficient. They're about an 85. They're about an 80, whatever. Uh, and then that gives you, 85% or 75% of your 20 points for percussion that you get. And then they just add up all those captions and that gives you your score. So it really comes down to <laughs> who has the better night by just a little bit across a whole bunch of captions for general effect, uh, for visual, for guard, for percussion, for brass, for overall music. There's so many little things uh, mm -hmm. that go into the score and they get kind of all over the place. And it's different people every night too. Like exactly a totally new set of people semis to, to finals. And to be honest, they're not looking at the same thing each time, right? Like the night before, the music judge might have been listening to a certain section like the mellophones instead of the night the nights previous where the guy music judge was listening to trumpets or something like that. There is no consistency. And that's why to a degree, like, it's great that we have a, like a ranked list, but it's so subjective just because the Blue Devils won in 2019 doesn't necessarily mean they were the better core. It means that night, 8 to 15 people decided that their points collectively added up to the most. That doesn't, you know, it's such a subjective field. And sometimes at some point in this activity, you have to let go of scores and placements and just know, you know, well, our show was good and I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's move on to the second question. That was a great question, Michael. 
So the second question comes from Graham. Graham says, I've got two questions. Oh, he's going to do a two-part question. So we'll tackle your first question, Graham. If you could march any world-class corps today, which would it be and why? So is he asking, like, I can march in, well, we'll we'll say 2022. I get to march in 2022 um, and Mm -hmm. I can pick any drum corps I want. I think so. Do I have I to be able to make that drum corps? Think, I, I, I think yeah. I, I think I could make any drum corps I want. By 2022, I think I think you could. I think you could. We we were we were world class players at one point in time. We could do it again. Um, well, let's see here, Graham. I would say let's. So we're putting some parameters to it. My answer would change based on the parameters. I'll say that. So if we're looking forward into 2022, and I have to make the group, then I'm going in the front ensemble realm. So some of you. Uh, might not know. I, I play both snare drum, uh, kind of, and front ensemble at a world class level. Um, snare drumming, I couldn't make world class uh, DCI groups. Uh, I could probably make some open class groups. I, I was I was pretty decent. Um, so I would try to go into the front ensemble realm. I would probably go Carolina Crown to be honest. Twenty twenty two front ensemble. Um, That's a good pick. I know, I know all those. I know the guys that are teaching that front ensemble. They've been getting really good in the late 2010s, especially. Um, been really loving their stuff. Yeah, Crown Percussion as a whole has just gotten real, real hip. You know, they're they're yeah. playing really modern stuff. Their style is great. They've gotten a lot of very, very talented players in the last five or six years. That yeah, they they kind of wanted to sleep on for a while, and they had a good front ensemble in the early 2010s oh, yeah. as well. But like in terms of stylistically the way that they write all that stuff it's gotten mm-hmm. a, a lot better in the last five years so so i would do that and it's also it also crosses off my list of i i mean jake can attest to i don't mean this to to insult anyone who hasn't marched it but when you start marching marching top five groups it's kind of a different level of drum corps in terms of the experience um it's just it's just awesome it's awesome to perform under the stadium lights it's awesome to go on last in the show to know that a lot, you know, half the people at the show are there to see just your drum corps specifically. Um, yes. it's, it's a really, it's a really great feeling to go on late, um, to really be slinging it with, you know, some absolute ballers on that field. Everyone is just, you know, performing at the 96, 97 level. So I would, I would pick Carolina crown in 2022. What about you, Jake? I'll be honest. I'm going back to the blue coats, yeah, and not because I lame. like because my experience <laughs> was was second to none, and and it was it was quite good. I very very much enjoyed uh, the staff mm-hmm. and the writing and everything of the blue coats. But honestly, since I have marched in the early 2010s, the blue coats stock has gone up. <laughs> we were fifth and sixth place the years that I marched, and since then it's pretty much a medalist group. I I just want to ask, when was the last time you you watched a blue coats show from the 20 teens? And you just didn't have a good time. It's just fun start to finish. They took the Beatles. They took, you know, weird, like all, just name any show in the last five years. It's just cool stuff. It's just cool music. It's the style mm-hmm. of music that I enjoyed. Um, if I were marching again in the early 20 teens, I might want to try out some different chords just to see what the different experiences were like. And there's obviously mm-hmm. some shows that I love from that era. Um, but, you know, coming up in 2022, I have a hard time seeing the Blue Coats not coming out with something just absolutely just so much fun to perform um and you watch the front ensemble too they're just having a blast the whole time in the lot in rehearsal in a show like every video you see they're just smiling and jamming and it's just a big party and i i want a big party that's what i want 
Well, Jake, I got to be honest with you. When I watched you in 2013, I definitely booed instead of blued you when you guys went out on the field. <laughs> That's just, acceptable. Just for you, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. Just, and just no one knew. You. And no one knew. Some people were like, no. <laughs> I wish someone had help. heard me to be like, try to correct me. Like, no, we're not booing them. We're bluing them. And I'd be like, oh, like, no, no, I'm booing them. <laughs> 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 yes. Chris, Chris did beat me that year by th- three places, two places. I, I, I got, we got third in 2012, so I guess good. two. Or I, I, four, I, I, four. I, we, were, we were sixth that year, I think. Okay. But yeah, I mean, no, that was fun. But you bring up an interesting point, and I'll bring this up. The time travel theory. Like, if we, if we could go back to, say, we go back three years before we're, we auditioned, <clears throat> would, you still, would you still front ensemble it up and try to do other front ensembles, or what would you do, Jake? Oh man, I I mean the reason I love the blue coat so much was just like the people and the staff. Like they mm-hmm. were just awesome, awesome people. They made me better. <laughs> yeah. They just had information that I had never had access to in in high school and college. Um, I just they were some of the best teachers that I have. So it's really hard to say no. I don't want to do that again. It's like oh, if I didn't do that, would I have gained the knowledge and the skills and the prowess that I did? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I really loved what Vanguard was doing in the front ensemble those years as well. Uh, we yep. really, really loved the Rinnick, their stuff. The years, yeah. Honestly, a lot of my friends marched Phantom, Chris included. I, I ended up knowing and marching with a ton of people from Phantom those years. I think I would have had a lot of fun just because of that. <laughs> again, great teachers. I, yeah. um, but I, I think I would have done the front ensemble again just because it just feels like a lot of work to put on a drum or carry <laughs> something around and run around the field. Like I had a hard enough time just with like the lifestyle of drum corps and it being uncomfortable and what, I mean, it was great, but I don't mm-hmm. think I would have wanted to make it any harder. Certainly. I don't know. I think, so I learned too little too late. And when I mean too little too late, I was like in my age out year of drum corps that, um, the center snare from Phantom Regiment in 20, 2003, um, lived in my hometown. And so, like, if I could go back, maybe I would have tried to, like, connect with him and taken snare lessons, lessons from him yeah. and, tried, and tried out the snare drumming. Um, and if, if that were the case, I would have either gone with one of the blues, um, blue devils or blue coats. They, they've always been my favorite um, batteries, uh, especially snare lines. So if we were, so to answer, to long question to answer for you, Graham, um, we, we took it both ways. If we could have done sure. it again, where would we have marched? And if we had to go further, where would we march? But yeah, I think I would try in the past, I'd try to march a snare line with the Blue Coats or the Blue Devils. And then if it didn't work out, honestly, still do the front ensemble thing because that's that, that was my history. I wanted to be a snare drummer. I auditioned. I got the last place cut and then I joined front ensembles and I pretty much didn't look back. I, I found out that was my niche. I was really good at it. Um, and so I just continued it on. I embraced it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, Graham, your second part of the question is, besides playing my instrument, what should I be focusing on and learning more about to improve my chances of marching a core one day? Chris, what do you think? Great question, Graham. A lot of people don't think about that. Um, So depending on your instrument, I'm assuming, Graham, um, that you're probably someone in a moving ensemble, and by that I mean no one in the front ensemble. So visually... You've got to work on being a strong visual performer. I've known a lot of people in this activity who on their playing alone would have not made a drum corps, but because they moved so well, they made, they made their spots. People would just tell them like straight up, like we're contracting you because you move very well and we'll get you playing well later. 
Um, and then we've seen people, I mean, we've seen people in our own organizations get cut because not because of their playing ability, but because they couldn't move well. So first thing I would say is playing's only half the equation. You've got to learn to move well. So whatever it takes to get some marching technique lessons, uh, there's a bunch of, you know, things online that you can look at and things like and that. And honestly, going to a camp too. I mean, yep. there, the, I got cut from the blue coats the first time I tried. And I learned so much about what kind of technique they wanted, um, some of the things they threw at us kind of last minute, um, the style of writing, the style of playing, all the things that they asked of us. And I, I learned how to make the blue coats when I got cut from the blue coats. Absolutely. I went back the next year and I was one of the inside players because I just was like, okay, I need to work on these six things. This is exactly what I need to do. And those six things might be different if I had tried a different group. Um, but because I wanted to do the blue coats, I knew these were the six things that they, you know, put the most value on in terms of their evaluation. And then I spent a year just grinding on those things and making sure that I could do them extremely well. So my best advice is go to a camp for the drum corps that you want to make. Learn mm -hmm. as much as you possibly can. Get as much feedback as you can uh, when they ask for certain things. Um, make sure that you're doing them. And then when you get the feedback evaluation on either written or from your staff person, uh, really, really take those to heart because they're the, the things that they care about the most and they're the things that are going to help you uh, the following year. So you can even go to a camp expecting not to make it uh, and then come back the next year and you're, you're pretty much good to go because then you, you, know, you know the formula. You have exactly what you need to do. Yeah, and you touched on a great topic there, that um, failure is an important part of life. It's something that I remember being 14 and 15 being scared of, um, but I'm glad I got cut as well. Uh, the first time I auditioned for Drum Corps, I auditioned for Spirit in 2008, and I got super cut uh, <laughs> real quick. And it's, it's an important lesson to learn, and it's an important thing in life to do. So often when I'm approached by high school students who are like, oh, I really want to audition for your group at some point, I'm like, yeah, next season. Audition next season. Do it. Like, oh, I'm not, <laughs> You're going to learn not, a ton. <laughs> I'm not going to be ready. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. But you being in the door and the drum corps recognizing that you're there it's a huge thing. I promise you, they remember you. If you're 14, 15, or 16, and you're not prepared this year, they understand that you're growing and you're learning, and they're going to give you the best instruction that they can. You play next to some amazing players. It's a great experience. Then the next year when you come, you're not as scared. You've already done it before. And honestly, they remember, and staffs love that. They are more willing to, like, not give you more of a chance, but they're going to understand that you care about the process and the core enough that you're dedicated. So they're going to, that gives you a leg up. And so, yeah, I, yeah just, so that's a great thing. Just, I would say, focus on your visual and go to a camp. Just start going to camps and start learning. And don't, sure. and don't shoot yourself too short. If you if you dream of marching vanguard and you're not there yet, go to a camp. They're not going to tell you to never come back. No, they, they definitely want talent. So, Graham, I hope we get to see you perform in a couple years uh, under the lights at Lucas Oil. Looking forward to that for sure. All right. Well, we've got another question here um, from Jaron from Utah. His question, my question is, how did you afford both drum corps and indoor and what advice would you give to new people who want to do both? Oof. Oh, boy. Jake? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> as a professional fundraiser, I would recommend that you do that. Um, some people are in a situation where their family, their parents, whomever, uh, can help them or cover all of their 
their fees. That makes uh, a big difference. Obviously, if, if you're not in that boat, it becomes much, much tougher. Also, keeping in mind, it's not just the cost of the camps and tuition, but it's also travel. It's just a lot of things. Like there's, yep. You spend a lot of money auditioning uh, for both indoor uh, and drum corps, for sure. So uh, one way, if you're young enough, is to start with a group that's near you. That helps a ton. You get experience, you get taught well, and then you can go mm-hmm. wherever you want, and you're less likely to get cut at that point. Um, but as, again, as a professional fundraiser for my, my job job, uh, I would highly recommend that you do that. Here is an exercise, uh, that I go through with all of my students who ask for fundraising help. And it's honestly how we fundraise for large health systems as well. It's the same concept. Um, so step one, get out a pen and paper. Again, it's kind of like an iPad pen and paper <laughs> yeah. you want to write this stuff down. If you want to type it down, that's fine. But I like to be at a brain dump on like a notepad. Uh, so pen and paper. And you're going to write out 25 names of people that you know um, who might donate to your cause of marching drum corps. Um, we're talking family members and go go distant relatives for sure. Um, so yep. you're going to, to grandma, to aunts and uncles, to cousins. If you've got older siblings, uh, certainly your parents. Uh, if you have a blended family and you have uh, multiple sets of parents or step parents, definitely want to go there as well. Um, talk about your private lessons teachers, your band directors, uh, your people that you've performed with. Just kind of go outside of anybody who may or may not know what drum corps is, um, but would willing to, to donate to what you're doing um, and say, you know, this is a nonprofit or whatever, and I'm hoping that you can get a, get a gift for this. 25 names. Brain dump as fast as you can. Hopefully names will make you think of other names. Step two, go through and pick your top 10 based on how likely these people are to donate to you. Um, so you just, first thing, you just want to get names on paper. Second thing, you kind of critically evaluate, going down one at a time, rank them number one to number 10. This person, like maybe your parents are number one, not necessarily for everybody, but a lot of times your parents are your guardian, number one. Um, once you get your top 10 on kind of who would donate, you have to kind of think about how much they would be able to give if you could convince them uh, to donate. And I always ask high, like my recommendation is to go in the kind of 250 to $500 range, maybe even more if they're parents or grandparents. Um, you're not going to make it <laughs> with 10 and $25 gifts. It's just going to take you too long. Um, so you start high and you say, you know, if, if someone's like likely to give $500,000, that's great. Um, we're going to rank them uh, a five out of five. If someone's like, maybe they could give me $25, $50, um, they get a one out of five. And you kind of rank your top 10 on a scale from one to five on how much they're willing to give. Uh, And then you kind of rank those again and and kind of figure that out. Uh, And then you start making phone calls. Um, You want to set up either in-person meetings, which is tough during COVID. uh, But if you're applying this to past 2021, certainly can do it in person. Uh, But you set up phone calls to either meet these people in person or to set up a Zoom, a Skype, a WebEx, a Microsoft Teams, whatever online video conferencing platform, FaceTime, whatever you like, um, and get in front of them and say, hey, uh, I've got this. This is step three, by the way. I've got this thing that I want to do. Uh, I get to tour around a country with this professional drum corps. Uh, it's going to be an absolute blast, but I do have to pay my way, like basically uh, so that they can bust me around and buy me food. Uh, and I get to play on this amazing instrument that, that they let us have as well. And it's or amazing equipment, whatever I'm doing. Um, and would you be willing to donate? Um, sometimes you can set it up so that it's a tax deductible uh, for the person who gives, sometimes it's not. It depends on the drum corps. Definitely ask your core director about that or ask your indoor director about that. 
Um, but ask for a gift, you know, <laughs> ask for two fifty five hundred dollars If you ask high, they're never going to get offended and say, oh my gosh, how dare you ask me for so much money? They might say, hey, how's a hundred dollars instead? Um, but every single person that I've talked to who's gone down and done this and done it properly has gotten their entire dues, uh, completely fundraised. If you get through your top 10 and you don't have your entire thing at that point, go through another 10 names. Like you will get through it in your top 25. Um, and that's, and that's, the, how and that's the powerful thing about this. Uh, every I, I've been with Jake when he's done these pitches to the students, and I would say maybe five to ten percent of them actually end up doing it. But it yeah, they don't believe time. me. <laughs> but it worked every time. The other people would say like, ah, oh, that seems like a lot of work. I don't know. I'll just either they they you know go into debt or they work a lot or that you know they try to slide by without paying dues and let me tell you that doesn't work um but there's plenty of people who try it it just you know it, it, even the rules of DCI and WGI are getting more strict about you know you can't be owing debts to one organization and marching others um so on and so forth and if you get yeah it's it's a whole thing but um i will say this so um I don't have much advice aside from what Jake said. Um, I was I was in the classification of I had two things going for me. One, my parents uh, helped support me throughout marching for me, so I didn't have to worry about this as much. And then two, um, drum corps and indoor were much cheaper uh, when Jake and I marched. Um, my indoor dues were right about a thousand. Um, now they are upwards of fifteen, up to two thousand. And drum corps for me was two grand. Where Same. now yeah. it is, I think it was just over like twenty one hundred or something for me. Well over four grand, and sometimes some it's like five thousand more <laughs> pushing into five. Um, the only piece of advice I would give, if you are, um, it's 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 a uh, it's tough advice. And Jake, we can cut this if you like. Um, I've had a lot of friends who ended up dropping out of college. Not forever, permanently, but pause on college so that they could work full-time. They could do 40 hours of work and then save up their money to end up doing drum corps and end up doing indoor because they knew that that had a time limit of 21-22. And once they aged out of it, they would jump back into school and then they dedicated their entire focus on college and passed with flying colors and went out into the world. There is not a huge difference at graduating college from 22 and graduating college 26. Or even like 23 or 24. Say you yeah. do a, a season or two of drum corps and you graduate, you know, a year and a half. You, you're not behind. Behind in what? Exactly. Behind you, to make money work. and, and <laughs> like... You're only going to work 40 years instead of 45. Exactly, exactly. This is a tricky conversation sometimes to have uh, with your parents uh, or people who... You know, obviously, if you have the opportunity to get a great education and a great job, you should prioritize mm -hmm. that in your life because you can make money and support yourself and maybe a family or, or not, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, but this is an option and people do it and they turn out just fine. You know, your path is your path. Do you, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I would just I would just say, you know, be creative with your thinking. Uh, one size doesn't fit all just because it worked for some person doesn't mean it has to work for you. Um, and if you really want it, you you will you will find a way to prioritize it and and make it a big part of your life. So Absolutely. hopefully that hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Again, hope to get to see you March, Jaren. All right. Jake, All right. Next question. Uh, this is from Colin from Ohio. Uh, he said, "I was wondering how you developed consistency in a performance setting. How did you change your practice to improve consistency? Any tips for developing consistency in a performance setting?" So if you don't know what this means. 
you spend a lot of time in the practice room or you are in rehearsal, you play it great over and over and over and over and over. You go perform it and you don't play it the same. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. is particularly good at this. He's great at dialing in per, for a performance. So what do you do, Chris? Well, I mean, we we heard it all the time in drum corps and indoor, and I scream it all the time at the kids uh, when I teach. It's uh, practice like you're going to perform. If you're going to perform dead face, you know, in your practice room, or I, I think of it more in an indoor setting, but it works for concert percussion too, um, or concert performance. I, I'm, I'm using my percussion background when I answer these questions. Um, however you're going to practice is how you need to perform and vice versa. If you want your performance to be high energy, um, entertaining and showing a lot of passion, then you have to do that in the practice room because otherwise you're just practicing what you're not going to do in a performance. That's the whole thing of practice, right? And so there are some creative things that you can do um, to help with that. So uh, for me, I always I always helped myself by saying, A, the performance doesn't need to be as energetic as you think it does. It's going to be entertaining. So like calm, cool, collected as you perform. But the other things you can do is you can help mimic what's going to happen in a performance setting. So performance settings, your heart rate's going to go up. It's going to skyrocket because you've got nerves. Everyone's going to have nerves. Um, so one of the things I would do is I would literally run around my building, my practice building, uh, until my heart rate got up to the 150s, 160s, 170s. Then I'd run into the practice room, give myself no time to calm down and just go. Um, that helped a lot. And then the other thing is just to practice performing. Start practice. Start your practice sessions with a full run of your pieces cold, no warm up. That'll really tell you how you can handle a performance situation. Absolutely. And I had a couple other people just that I knew who had different techniques of this, like get your heart rate up, try to simulate the performance. One, I had a college professor. I don't know if this is good or bad, but he would literally do this. He wasn't just like, oh, you should do this. He he would like come into the studio and do this. Um, He would chug coffee, like just drink way too Mm -hmm. much coffee all at once and wait till his hands were shaking and then go perform his like snare drum rep for his orchestral auditions and like try to play it just as well. Um, he's like, yeah, I, I mean, like when I'm nervous, the things that will happen is my heart rate will be higher and my hands will shake. So let me do that <laughs> with yep. caffeine. Like that doesn't seem healthy at all, but he did it. So I'm not recommending you do that, but that's one approach. Another is I had a, a, someone, a colleague that someone that I taught with is when he was taking orchestral auditions, he would take an air mattress and he would go into the practice room uh, late at night on like a weekend or something and practice until they like lock the building and shut the doors. They don't sometimes, depending on where you go to college, they mm-hmm. may not uh, go and check the practice rooms and make sure that there's no, so everyone's gone from the building. Uh, and as soon as everyone was gone, he would take his air mattress, inflate it, on the floor of the practice room and then set an alarm for like 3 a.m. Uh, and then at 3 a.m. he would pop up and within five seconds like start playing Porgy and Bess or whatever thing that he was working on, like cold, like half asleep. And then he'd go back yep. to bed, set an alarm for 5 a.m., do the same thing. And he'd do this like three or four times in a night uh, huh. and then he'd wake up and go home and, and sleep some more. But basically if I can do this groggy half awake on like my autopilot side of the brain and it's good, um, I can put my brain on autopilot and just relax in a, in a performance or an audition setting. Kind of an yeah. interesting approach. So it, it sounds like a lot of the successful people who do this, you're pretty much practicing. It's it's the age old adage: practice it till you can't mess up, not practice it till you can get it right. And good practice will mean that eventually you're doing runs that you can't mess up, entire runs. So 
that's that's one way to do it. But I mean, another way to think about this is how do you get better at something? You practice it. So how do you get better performing? You've got to practice. You just got to you just got to perform a lot. It's, exactly. it's one of those things that you'll get better at as you get older because you perform more times. But if you can fill your life with more performance opportunities, you mm-hmm. get to practice performing more times, <laughs> and each time will get a little easier, a little easier. Um, the only time that I have gotten nervous in a performance in the last decade was performing with Chris at the Super Bowl. That was the only time that I actually, I was like legitimately freaking out before, beforehand. Like I had felt like I had up in, in to that point in my life dialed in performing and I knew how to handle it and the nerves and all that. But that one got me a little bit. It was ended up being fine, but it was oh, a nerve wracking experience. I was, I was quite nerve wracked because I, I had a stick toss that I probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> but you caught it. It worked out. It worked out. It did. But, um, but yeah, that's that's what you need to do. Keep practicing, performing, and and you will get better at it, Colin. Every every how about this? And I'll say this last thing. I don't want to go too far, but everyone's bad at it at first. They are. You just with more reps, you get better at performing. Um, the greatest performers we see, the reason why they're so good at performing is because they've done it a thousand times. So just do it a thousand times and you'll be good. Yeah, that's not the answer everyone always wants to hear, but it's like, I'm sorry, if, if you can't play this consistently in and out of a performance setting, you just got to play it more. <laughs> it's exactly. hard work. It's exactly. so hard to do, and it's it's not the easy answer. Okay, Chris, we have time for one more. We're kind of coming up on our time here, but we have yep. time for one more question here. Uh, what do we got? All right, we're going to pick it from uh, from Arkansas. His name is Chris, uh, spelled with a K. That's a pretty that's good a pretty, name. That's a pretty cool spelling. I almost changed my name to that. But he said, my name is Chris from Arkansas. I'm starting college in a couple of years and wanting to do drum corps. What is the best way to handle college while doing drum corps in a different state? All right. The different states. We both be a did this. One. We have firsthand experience in this. We can actually That's talk true. intelligently about this. That's true. So the first thing you need to do is, um, well, one, try to find out if people in your college it, I'm not I'm not sure which college Chris is going to. So they need to find out who in their college is also a drum corps fanatic or who is someone who wants to practice auditioning. I, I drug along friends who did not have any interest in drum corps, but I was like, get practice auditioning. Let's go, you know? Um, or, or just who's going to be like, say, say if you're in a marching band, like say if you're going to a big universe, like if you're going to the university of Arkansas, big marching Mm -hmm. band, post in your marching band group me or Slack or Facebook group or whatever and say, Hey, is anyone auditioning for Vanguard? Is anyone auditioning for spirit of Atlanta crown? And if you have two or three people, you can go with them in a car and yep. save a lot of money and also not have to drive for 12 Jake, hours by Jake yourself. Read, Jake read my mind. Exactly. Um, and that's, and that's what you do to start. You start there. And then when you also, the other thing you attack it from, you attack it from the other side. You go, normally those pages had like, um, we had audition pages or something like that, interest pages on Facebook um, for these auditions. And people would post in there all the time, hey, I'm from this area, anyone swinging through. And so when I was auditioning at Phantom up in Illinois, we had a huge pool of people from Tennessee that were auditioning. So there were several cars that would drive from Nashville up to Chicago. So all you had to do in terms of like, I was from Cookville, which is an hour away. I just had to find a way to get from Cookville to Nashville. That's a one hour drive versus a 12 hour drive in one direction. Yeah. And it's win-win because you get mm -hmm. to meet people who like drum corps and are cool people and live near you. It's, it's bonus friends. It's awesome. Yes. 
Yeah. And I mean, they could, they can, they can end up being your practice buddies. Um, yeah. you know, you, you can start like practicing your audition lit together and things like that. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good experience to do that. So that's how I would suggest it is you just got to start reaching out both within your university and then within the drum corps itself to figure out who's close by and just try to hitch a ride. Um, sure. What about the time commitment, Chris? So I think also the second part of what this question it might be getting at, and Chris, I hope that other Chris, Chris with mm-hmm. a K, uh, correct yep. me if I'm, <laughs> if I'm wrong, send us another email. But yeah. the time commitment of doing college, which is substantial, it's the whole yep. like social life, good grades and sleep, pick two. That's how pick college two. works. But, it's, but it's not that. It's more like, have you, have you seen, I've, I've seen that, but I've also seen like the one that's like, it's a dodecagon or something. It's like 12 sides <laughs> and it has things like <laughs> eating food, <laughs> going to class, like and you like pick four and a half. <laughs> Yeah, but but no, it's a good point that that it's hard. Um, my advice again, I mean, so Chris, I don't know your exact situation, so you're gonna have to kind of navigate this the best way that you can. Um, college doesn't have to be four years. I, I would take a lighter, I would take lighter semester loads um, during, especially the spring, because that's peak audition time. That's when you're gonna have to go at least once a month um, to audition. And instead of graduating in four years, graduate, say, in five um, as you're doing as you're doing these drum corps things. If you start doing indoor as well, I've, I've seen some people take, you know, just light 12 hour semesters and, and drag it out to six years instead of four. Now, I know with scholarships that can kind of make it complicated if you've got like you know, several thousand dollars riding on you graduating in four years. And after those four years, the money dries up. But if you're taking a full load, if you're taking a full load, which for a lot of colleges, 12 credit out, 12 credit hours a semester, um, you can keep your scholarship and graduating in five and a half years with a three, nine is better than graduating in four years with a three, two, you know what I mean? Like absolutely. (laughs) If you can make it easy on yourself and end up with a better GPA, uh, mm-hmm. And or you know sometimes you have to keep a scholarship. I have to stay above a three five, or I lose my whatever academic scholarship. Yeah. Um, take the minimum that you can for that semester, and you know you say, it it hurts your pride a little bit because you're like I can do it all. I can go to class. I can take sixteen hours. If you're a music major, you're probably taking a gazillion hours and three ensembles anyways. Um, even if you're not, if you're in a, one of the difficult science majors, it's the same thing. But yeah. like. Why, why not make it on easy mode? You get no points for suffering. No points. Exactly. Um, <laughs> just make it easy. Make good grades. Spread out your time. Be realistic and say, you know, maybe I could do it all, but I'd like to get a good night's sleep every now and again. I'd like to have some friends in college and do the college thing and also do drum corps and also make good grades. And the yep. only way to do that is to do less things. And a lot of times it costs the same, like some, uh, some, and a lot of, of colleges and universities, uh, will do based on the credit hour, the classes that you're taking, they'll charge you tuition in that, in that way. Correct. Um, especially maybe if you're living at home and can take advantage of that where if you have a lot of roommates, mm-hmm. um, so w- we can make blanket, oh, you should do this. You should do that all day long, but everyone's situation is so unique and there's so Correct. many ways to do it well. Um, and especially if it costs the same to do it in four and a half versus five years or whatever, um, just think about what's important. Like if you want to be a music teacher and you want to teach marching band and you, that's your career, we talked about this in our, our last episode, like you're going to need drum corps reps. Like I would Absolutely. much rather hire someone who's marched a great drum corps than who's like, yeah, I didn't do college marching band because I was focused on my concert stuff. It's like, guess what you're doing for the first semester of every year of teaching for the rest of your life? It's marching band. You better be really good at it too. It's it's a totally different skill set. And if that's not what you want to do, that's fine. But if you're a band director... 
that's going to be the expectation for you yeah. going into it. And even not in the marching, even if you're not in the music education world, uh, it's it's always interesting. Jake can attest that like I feel like the second most popular major in drum corps is engineering. For some reason, engineers are really drawn to the drum. A lot corps of a lot of train drivers for sure. <laughs> um, the, a lot of those train drivers. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, we've talked to each other before and, and asked, you know, hey, where are you working right now? And so on and so forth. I've had several drum corps friends ask me where I'm working and if I'm hiring. Um, and that's it's it's one of those things that making great connections in drum corps, like you make friends that really stick with you for life and they'll do anything they can with you uh, to help to help you further along in your career. And so, uh, yeah, to me, that's worth the extra year or the extra two years it takes in college is to have that experience if you're really passionate about it and you're really driven to do it. But yeah, I mean, we've said it probably three times now. Everyone's different. You have to look at your own variables, but I just encourage you to do some out-of-the-box thinking. Just because everyone else is doing it this certain way doesn't necessarily mean that's the answer for you. There There are workarounds that you can do. Yep. No doubt. Okay. Well, Chris, thank you for taking a few minutes and and doing a podcast with me. This has been a lot of fun. I really have enjoyed hearing all these questions. Again, if you have more questions, we'll do more of them. Maybe we won't won't do a full another listener episode, but we can do a couple at the end of any episode you want. Honestly, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy these questions and I enjoy thinking about them. Please, please keep sending them. These this was this was a really fun uh, episode to record. For sure. And it's the T-H-E morning block at gmail.com. If you want to email your question, just tell us your name and where you're from if you'd like. And any questions or thoughts or comments that you have, or again, can leave us a voicemail. Let me read the number one more time. It's 423-403-5044. Leave us a voicemail and, and we'll play it on the show and, and try to answer it. So that's what we got. Chris, you got anything else? I think the only thing we've got left is the bop of the week. The I'm bop sure. of the week. Yes. What is the bop of the week, Chris? The bop of the week is going to be uh, Rosewood by Chon. Rosewood by Chon. Chon's a uh, it's a pretty nifty nifty little band, um, similar to Polyphia. Uh, Some of you might know that name because Spirit of Atlanta started using them a lot in their closers in the past few years. Um, So it's kind of got a similar feel to that style of band. yeah, and I mean, I love drum set players, so that drum set player is an absolute monster for them. So, Bop of the Week is uh, Rosewood by Chon. Rosewood by Chon. All right, I'll check it out. All right, Jake, let's see us out. All right. This has been The Morning Block. This show is a production of Virtual Arts, Inc. and was produced by Chelsea Levine and hosted by Jake Lyons and Chris Parker. Edited and mixed by Caleb Lee, and our audio engineer is Rosa Westfall. But this week, our audio engineer was actually Chris. Chris set up the stuff himself, and we are really proud of him because it's not easy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of complicated stuff going on. Uh, special thanks to all of today's guests, uh, all the listeners who wrote in. Thank you for your questions. Uh, please continue to send those in. We'll happily uh, continue to answer those. Uh, our logo design is by Brian Harmson, and our original theme music was written and produced by Jordan Turan and Josh Russell. See you all next week.